Amen. Appreciate the family of God. Appreciate my brothers and sisters in the Lord. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in his presence tonight. I felt directed to uh, this evening to expound a little further on a subject that we talked about uh, during our Faith in Action series. I feel to talk about um, the prayer of faith, specifically uh, when we we discussed it uh, on that particular Sunday, talking about the prayer of faith. Faith, we we brought out the fact that there was two parts of which we needed to pray, and an understanding that we needed to have when we prayed. That we need to understand that we are praying. Number one, upon the authority of the Word of God. And number two, we are praying by the power that resides and rests upon the name of Jesus. The authority of the word of God, the power of the name of Jesus. I want to talk tonight about the authority of God's word. The authority of God's word. Somebody said amen. Amen. Um, Again, let me just very quickly uh, just... If you weren't here, I know it was several weeks ago, but just uh, let, let, let me say again. The book says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, it says all scripture. Somebody say all scripture. Not part of it, not some of it, not most of it, but the Bible says all scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That word inspiration there means divinely breathed of God. It's the breath of God. It was breathed. It was uh, breathed of God, the, the inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That's letting us know that this book we call the Bible was not written by the inspiration of man and therefore subject to the frailties and the faults of man. Somebody said Amen. This was not written by man's, this was not man's ideas in this book. This is not man's philosophies in this book. These are not man's concepts in this book. They didn't get the, you know, smart people or whoever and decide to write the Bible. It was not, it didn't happen that way. This this book was uh, inspired. It was written by the word or, or by God himself. God is the author of this book. This book is God-breathed. This book is God-inspired. This book is God-written. This book has God as the author. And because of that, then the authority, hear hear me, the authority of all that is written in this word rests solely upon him. It's not just words on a page. It's not just some historical book. It's not just some sto- storybook, but every word in here was written by God, and therefore, it, the authority of all that is written rests upon him. Again, the book says it like this in 2 Peter chapter 1, and verse 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of, is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. The word of God did not come in the days that it was written by the will of man. Man did not write this based upon what their will was or what they wanted it to say. It was not their will at all. 
but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This is not the words of man. This is the words of God. This verse is letting us know again, this book was not guided by the will of man. Was not directed by the minds of men. It was, did not have its inception in the hearts of men. But this book was totally, this book was completely guided and authored by God himself. Therefore, every verse in this book is backed up by the authority of the one who wrote it. Oh, hallelujah. If it was written by man, then it would be backed up by man's authority and we wouldn't have a whole lot of hope. But it's backed up by the authority of the word of God. Oh, hallelujah. Because God wrote it, we can rest upon the word that he said in Numbers 23 and 19. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? Everything the book says is absolutely true because the one who authored it cannot lie. Oh, hallelujah. Therefore, if it is true, which it absolutely is, then we can stand on the authority of that truth and proclaim everything this book tells us to proclaim. We can believe everything this book tells us to believe. We can stand fast and firm on everything that this book tells us to stand fast and firm on. Somebody shout amen. amen. Now let me show you what I'm talking about in the physical sense. That was a little recap. We're moving on. Let me show you what I'm talking about in the physical sense. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3. Now watch. Through faith, we understand that the world's were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were made of things which do appear. Now notice, or excuse me, were not made of things which do appear, meaning he made everything out of nothing. Now notice, the world was framed. The world was created By the word of God. You want to know why the sun rises in the east and sets in the west every single day? Because God said so. You want to know why the oceans only come so far and then they have to retreat again? Now the ocean's pretty big. But it knows it can come so far and that's it. You want to know why the sun shines in the summer and the snow falls in the winter? I'll tell you why. All of those things happen in the physical sense because the authority of God rests upon this book. Oh, hallelujah. And when his word said, let there be light, it didn't matter how great the darkness was. There was going to be light simply because God's word was backed up by God's authority. Oh, hallelujah. 
We got to get this. This is more than just a book. It is backed up by the authority of almighty God. The Bible talks about God telling the lightning where to go and when to flash. The Bible talks about God telling the wind where to go and where to blow. And those things, the lightning, the wind, are bound to be obedient because their authority is the one who spoke the command in the first place. Do you get what I'm trying to say? The God that wrote this book and gave us these words to live by is the one who tells lightning where to go. He's the one who tells wind where to go. And he's he's the one who tells the sun to rise and to set. And it has to be obedient to him because of the authority that rests upon him. And that same God and that same authority backs up this book in which we believe, in which we live by, in which we walk by, in which we conduct ourselves by, in which we operate by. The authority of the word of God. Oh, hallelujah. We've got to get a greater revelation of the authority of the word of God. For if we truly understood how great his authority is, we would have no trouble at all in operating in the apostolic callings and commands that he has called us to operate in. Mm-hmm. It's true. We'd have no problem walking in faith. We would have no problem operating in the miraculous, operating in the supernatural, operating in an apostolic dimension. We would have no issues with that if we truly understood the authority that rests upon the word of God. We wouldn't have any problem being obedient to this book. We wouldn't have any problem following after its commands. If we understood the authority of the word of God. For instance, for instance, many times we don't truly understand the authority that rests upon God's word. When it says that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Now, we'll shout about that verse. Right? We'll amen that verse. We like to quote that verse. And yet, many times we don't truly understand the authority that is backing up that verse because we still allow the enemy to be victorious in our lives. Anybody ever had the enemy victorious in your life? Anybody had an, a weapon that he formed against you actually prosper? Now we'll shout about it all day long. No weapon. And then a weapon hits us upside the head on Wednesday and knocks us out for a couple weeks. Am I right about it? Why? Because we'll shout about stuff that we truly don't understand the authority that it has. 
And there's something we have to move beyond just shouting about stuff and truly grasp the authority that rests behind it. Oh, hallelujah. How many, how, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many, I would imagine there's more than just a few, maybe not in this room, probably, but in other churches that battle with doubt. Struggle with unbelief. Now, let me tell you something. I want you to think with me. Doubt and unbelief is not a faith issue. You say, well, I, I have so much doubt or I have so much belief, unbelief, and so my faith must be really, really low. No, 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 no. Doubt and unbelief is not a faith issue. It's an authority issue. Let me tell you something. Doubt and unbelief, hear me, because doubt and unbelief is faith in the authority of someone or something else other than God's word. If you struggle with doubt, it's not because you lack faith. It's because you lack proper perspective of the one who's truly in authority. You doubt because you're putting your faith into the lie that the enemy is telling you. And the lie becomes the authority. And you put faith in the lie, therefore you doubt. Therefore you don't believe. Oh, hallelujah. Hear me. You don't need to ask God for more faith. You already have faith. You need a revelation of the authority of the word of God so that you can start putting your faith in the proper place where it can begin to release that which is good, that which is blessed, that which is favored, so that it can begin to release the miraculous and the supernatural in your life. It's not a faith issue. It's an authority issue. Notice, the Lord called for Peter to walk on the water with him. Right? And yet, Peter started putting his faith into the cause and effect of what a storm could produce. Instead of putting his faith in the authority of the word of God that said, come on out. Did God's word tell him he could walk on water? Yes. But he didn't fully put his faith in the authority of God's word. So he began to sink. At the beginning, hear me, 
when his feet were firmly planted safely on the boat. He trusted the authority of God's word. He's on the boat, right? And God says, come on out. He says, yeah, I believe. I believe your word. Let me step on out here. But once he got out of the boat and once he got into the storm, And once he got into a situation that he could not control, then he started doubting the authority of what God said. You see, it's one thing to trust the word of God when everything's going good. It's one thing to trust the word of God when there's safety. There's one thing to trust the word of God when everybody's well and there's no sickness and all the bills are getting paid and everything's coming up roses. It's one thing to trust God and all of that, uh, but it's but it's another thing altogether to stand upon the authority of the word of God when the storms of life start crashing and raging and blowing in your life. Peter, you got faith in his word as long as you are on the boat or as long as you're just taking a first few steps. But the moment you begin to look around and the moment the winds start to rage and the moment the lightning starts to crash is when sometimes we begin to lack understanding and revelation and belief in the authority of God's word. But the thing that we need to remember is this. We will, we are going to establish something or someone as the authority in our lives. You hear me? All of us will establish someone or something to be the authority in our lives and we will begin to put our faith in that thing. So why don't we just go ahead and allow the word of God to be that authority instead of the enemy, instead of a co-worker, Instead of some radio whatever, some TV personality, some Hollywood something or other, why don't we allow the word of God? Oh, I don't even know Dr. Phil's still on TV. But instead of getting all your advice from Dr. Phil, why don't we let the authority of the word of God Come on, somebody. We got to go ahead. We're going to put somebody in authority and we're going to put our faith in that thing. So why don't we go ahead and let the word of God be our authority and put our faith and our confidence and our trust in a God that has never failed us. I said in a God that has never failed us one time. I think he's worthy for us to put our faith in him. That is the authority of the word of God in this place. Come on, put your hands together. Give him praise. Oh.
Stop listening to all the other voices. Stop listening to all the other things. Stop listening to the enemy telling you this and telling you that and people talking that don't really know what's going on. My friend, you need to get in the word. You need to get a word from God for yourself. And when you get a word of God for yourself, you need to understand there is an authority behind that word. And it's not a man. It is God Almighty. If he said it, he's going to do it. If he spoke it, he's going to perform it. Oh, oh, hallelujah. The authority of the word of God. Oh, hallelujah. Now, let me just turn the page a minute here. Look, look at what the book says in Psalms chapter 107, verse 9. Psalms 107, verse 9. Watch this. For he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Now, then we get to verse 10. It kind of flips. It says, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Talking about these folks. They're sitting in darkness in the shadow of death. Being bound in afflictions and iron. Why? How did they get here? Verse 11. Because they rebelled against the words of God. And contemned the counsel of the Most High. The counsel. The word of God. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to Help. You see, because there's no help outside of the word. And if you're looking outside of the world, I don't want to believe that. I don't want to believe that. I don't want to believe that. I'm going to go do this. And all of a sudden struggle hits, heartache hits, and you look for help outside and you don't find it because there is no help outside of the word of God. So, so who was it that was bound? Who was it that was struggling? Who was it that was sitting in darkness? It was those who did not think that the word of God was the highest authority in their lives. We know they didn't think it was the highest authority in their lives because they rebelled against it. Somebody said amen. And any time you do not look at the word of God as authority and therefore you disobey it. It will always leave you in a place of struggle, in a place of darkness, in a place of heartache and in a place of lack. Anybody know I'm right about it? For instance, now, might get a little quiet now, but we're going to go ahead anyway. Why is it that some believers struggle financially? A couple different reasons. Number one, maybe they're just, they don't use wisdom in their spending habits. But number two, and what I've seen maybe more often is that they do not trust the authority of God's word when he instructs them that if they'll be faithful 
with their tithes and offerings, then he'll be faithful to them. They do not trust his authority that backs up those words. And they say, well, pastor, and I can't stand it when people say this. I just want to, pastor, I just can't afford to pay my tithes and my offerings. What they're really saying is that they do not believe that this book is backed up by the authority of the one who owns everything. That's what they're saying. It's exactly what they're saying. Because here's what God says. Malachi 3.10. Now watch. Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, comma, saith the Lord of hosts. It didn't say, says Pastor Anthony. Saith the Lord, the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And continues the Lord of hosts. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes and he shall not he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field saith who saith the lord of hosts Verse 12, and all nations shall call you blessed, a blessed, for you shall be delightsome, shall be a delightsome land, comma, saith the Lord of hosts. Three times he lets them know that he was the one that was giving the promise. This wasn't some man given the promise. This wasn't just some random individual given this promise. God said, I want you to know it. I don't want to just tell it to you once because you might forget it. I don't even want to tell you to you twice because you might forget. I want to tell you three times who it is that is giving this promise of blessing to those who will be faithful to me and their tithes and offerings. He said, I am the one giving you that promise. And it was his word that would establish it. And it was his authority that would, would make it good. Oh. My question is this, how many times do we need God to promise us something before we will start taking him at his word? He gave it to us three times. Well, if he would have just said it four. If he would have just said it five five times, the fifth time I would have been all over it. Man, I would have been obedient if he would have said it five times. How many times does he have to say, I'm the one saying this. I'm the one promising this. I'm the one saying it's going to happen. I'm the one that's going to back it up. I'm the one whose authority is going to secure this promise. 
in your life. How many times does he have to tell us this before we'll actually be obedient to it? Hear me now. Listen, it doesn't matter what your finances look like. The king of all kings has spoken a word and the Lord of hosts has made a decree. And if we'll stop looking at the numbers and if we'll stop looking at the bottom line and if we'll stop looking at the bills and if we'll stop looking at the outcome and the outgo and just start trusting the authority of the word of God then then our obedience will lead us to a place of blessing come on is there anybody who knows I'm preaching right come on we gotta it doesn't matter what anybody says it doesn't matter what it all looks like somebody needs to get a hold of the authority of the word of God and let and say hey the one who told me to do this is God almighty and he said he was going to back me up and he said he was going to make sure everything was going to be alright so I'm going to trust his word going to trust his word because there is an authority Mm. oh I mean really how hard do you think it is for God to give you a five dollar an hour raise no seriously think about it how hard is it for God he says lightning Go flash over there. And lightning says, yes, sir. Wind, come out of the north and blow through the plains states for a few days. And wind says, yes, sir. And then God says, oh, I just don't know if I can give so-and-so a $5 an hour raise. Come on. They keep asking me for a bonus, and I, man, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. No. The son listens to him. The Bible says that he can turn the heart of kings. The king, the most powerful individual in a land or in a country and God says I can play them like a puppet they'll do what I want them to do and you don't think he can make a way for you come on we have got to start resting upon the authority of God's word now obviously this applies to all areas of our lives We talked about finances, but I felt to talk about something else. Why is it that even in the church, we have have marital struggles and marital disharmony? Why is it even in the church, there's husbands and wives and fighting and there's struggle and there's difficulties and all this kind of stuff? I'll tell you, you want to know why? Okay, I'll tell you. Because... They do not believe the authority of God's word or the authority of God rests upon his word when it 
speaks to the wives about submitting to their husbands and to the husbands about loving their wives as Christ loved the church. I knew you'd all shout on that one. Now, it's in there. It is in there. Whether present-day society wants to accept it or not, whether it's some people say it's outdated and antiquated, no, wives submit. No, 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 no. The Word of God says it. And God's Word trumps everybody's Word. I don't care what they say. And they do not believe that the authority of God rests upon those verses. That a wife is supposed to submit to the husband and the husband is supposed to love the wife like Christ loved the church. Who gave himself for it. Literally died for it. Yeah, no preacher, I, I know those verses are in there and I, I even tried to be obedient to them for a few days but they didn't work. Yeah. Try, try being obedient to the laws of the land for a few days and a few days only and see where it gets you. Okay, I'm going to be obedient to the laws of the land. I'm going to do the speed limit. I'm not going to hurt anybody. I'm not going to rob anybody. I'm not going to whatever for a few days. And I'm tired of that. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of that. I'm going to go ahead and just break all the rules. Where does it leave you? Bondage? Jail? Fines? Pain, struggle, heartache. Am I right about it? The same is true in the spiritual. God says, listen, if you'll do it my way because you understand my authority is attached to my way, then you will get the benefits and blessings of it. But if you go about it and do it your own way, well, I tried that. I I tried it. I tried it. It didn't work. Okay, well, do it your own way and see where it gets you. The marriages that are blessed, the marriages that are happy are those in which the couples are obedient to what this book has to say about their position in the home. And they're willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that they are positioned properly. Oh, I'm feeling a little something, something right now. They're willing, whether it's the wife or whether it's the husband or whatever, they are willing and, and, and if, if they have to crucify flesh, which we absolutely have to do in order to be in the proper position where God wants us to be. Because we're all selfish by nature. We're all self-centered by nature. So the, the wife submitting to the husband has to completely destroy and completely uh, get out of, the, out of her life the self-centeredness and the selfishness and the husband who is going to love his wife like Christ left the church and gave everything for it. If you're giving everything to your wife, then it's not all about you. You're all about her. That I'm teaching so good right now. You see, because so we have to completely change who we are as self-centered, selfish, fleshly people. We have to be willing to change that. We have to be willing to do 
spiritual surgery and allow God to do spiritual surgery in our lives. But if we are willing to do the painful things, if we are willing to do that which is not pleasant in order to position ourselves in the place where the authority of God's word told us to position ourselves, then and only then will we be able to experience and receive the benefits and the blessings that come with obedience to the word of God. You can, you can not do all of those things, but that's just too painful. That's just too hard. I don't want to work on all that stuff. I don't want to change anything about who I am. This is me. I've always been this way, blah, 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 blah. And I'll just keep being my own. This is how, she, she knew this when I married her. He knew it's when I married her. When we got married, she knew how I was. He knew who I was. And we're not going to change for I told her I wasn't going to change for anybody. And she told me, I'm not going to change for anybody. Okay, you can keep doing that. And you guys can keep just going. Fighting, 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 fighting. No peace, no joy, no harmony, no oneness, no togetherness. Never being able to accomplish anything for the kingdom of God as one. Because there's all this friction. I didn't mean to talk about this this long. But you can keep doing it your way if you want. And you can keep getting what your way offers. Or you can say, okay, there is an authority that is backing up this book. And it's not Dr. Phil. And it's not Oprah. It is the word of God. So if I will do it his Way, no matter how painful that is, no matter how much work it takes, no matter how hard it is, no matter no matter how long it takes, if I'm willing to do what he told me to do, I will get what he said I could have. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody said amen. Why is it that so many believers struggle with the concept that they have been freed from the issues of their past? They wonder, I just, I, just, I just don't know if I've truly been forgiven. I just don't know. I just, I, I just don't know if I'm truly free. I, I, I feel like it sometimes, but other times I don't feel like it. I wonder if I'm really, truly victorious in God and in the things of God. I, I really, I, sometimes I just question, am, am, am I really an overcomer? Am, am I truly living victoriously in God? And many times, because of all of the doubt that they have in their mind, because they're listening to an authority other than God, Many times, because of all that doubt, am I really living victoriously? Am I living, really living uh, in, in freedom? Because of the doubt, they end up going back to the very same things that they were delivered from. Because they doubted they were really freed in the first place. You know what I'm talking about? They went back to it. Why does it happen? It happens because they've never truly rested upon the authority of the word of God. When he says in John 8 and 36, if the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. And they never, they, they look at that as a verse to be clapped about or amen or shouted about, or run the aisles about, or 
preach with the preacher when he gets to that topic and it's a high point. Oh, yeah, that's a great verse. We'll shout about They look at that as just words on a page. It's just a verse in the Bible somewhere. But they don't understand that there is an authority. There is an authority that is backing up that verse. So that when those lies come, when the adversary comes and begins to try to whisper to them about the fact that, oh, you haven't truly been freed. You haven't truly been forgiven. Your mind hasn't really taken upon itself the mind of Christ and on and on and on and on and on it goes. And so most of the time they would take them back to their failures and it would just be this cycle, this cycle, this cycle. But if they could ever understand the authority of the word of God, the moment that lie first time enters into their mind, they would step out in faith and declare, no, 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 no. The, the, the word of God tells me that I have I am free indeed. And it's not just a word. It's not just ink on a piece of paper. It's not some man that wrote that. It's not some philosophical junk that is just written in a book of collection of poetry or collection of philosophical ideas. But that word is backed up by God Almighty. That word is backed up by the authority of God himself and if his word says I'm free then I am free and I can shout about it and I can rejoice in my freedom and I don't have to go back to my yesterdays and I don't have to fall back into the pit from which I was dug but I am free I am free we've got to walk in the authority of the word of God oh somebody now, you may see, watch this. You remember the, the story in the Old Testament where the prophets of Baal were going head to head against Elijah in order to show whose God was the one true living God. Remember the story? And so the prophets of Baal guy, they, those guys, they, they all gathered around, they built their little deal and, and they started chanting and they started jumping around and they started yelling out and screaming and eventually they started cutting themselves trying to get their God's attention so that their God would answer with fire and the fire of God would fall and consume their sacrifice thereby proving that he was God. So they did all that all all day, all day, all day. Did it never one time did the fire from their God fall. Then it was Elijah's turn. Now watch this. Think with me for a moment. Watch this. 1 Kings 18 and 30. And Elijah said unto all the people, come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired. Notice what he does. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones, specifically 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. Verse 32. And, when, and with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measure of seed. And he put the wood in order, and he cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran about the altar and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, 
let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant. Now watch what he says. And that I have done all these things at thy word. Everything I just did, I did it because your word told me to do it. Verse 37, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God, the Lord, he is the God. Now, Notice, notice, at God's word, Elijah repaired the altar, got the stones, made a trench, got the wood, put it in order, put the sacrifice on the altar, put all the water on the altar, put the water in the trench. At the word of God, the word commanded him to do those things, and he was obedient. Then he prayed. And get this. I want to hope I can say this right. Then he prayed. Now watch. And everything that he was obedient to, everything that he was obedient in doing, according to the word of God, was then touched or engulfed or consumed by the fire of God. Hear me. The fire of God represents the power of God. It represents the presence of God. And it represents or the power of God and the presence of God. Now watch. So everything that Elijah did in obedience to the word of God was consumed by that which represented the presence of and the power of Almighty God. You with me? You with me? You want to know why there are certain areas of our lives that are not fully engulfed with the presence and the power of God? It's because we are not obedient to the authority of His Word. If Elijah refuses to be obedient to the authority of God's word by not putting the wood on the altar, then the altar stays like it is. Excuse me, the wood stays like it is and it never comes in contact with the changing power of the fire. Am I making any sense at all? You have the altar. And if, and if he's not obedient to, to the word of God by putting the wood on the altar and he leaves the wood over there, then everything else gets touched by the fire, but the wood stays the same. And every area of our life that we refuse to submit to the authority of the word of God 
is an area that never comes in contact with the life-changing power of the presence of Almighty God. God says, I want you to put this on the altar. I want you to be obedient to my word by doing this and by doing this and by doing this. And everything we do in obedience to his word, the fire can touch it. The fire of his presence can consume it. The fire of his presence can interweave all throughout it and and have its way in that particular thing. But everything we say, no, I'm going to leave this over here and do it my way. I know you told me to do it this way, but I'm not going to do it your way. I'm going to leave this part over here. Then that thing never has the opportunity to have the presence of God touch it. Oh, hallelujah. And he can't change that. He can't alter that. He can't work on that area. He can't fix that area. Because we are not being obedient to the authority of the word of God. He cannot alter the direction of that thing. If we refuse to submit to the authority of the word of God in that particular area of our life. And that's why it always seems like you, we struggle with the same things. Right? I would venture to guess that you're not struggling with 27 different things. I would venture to guess you're struggling with two, three, four things. Why? Because it's those two, three, or four things that we know what the authority of the word of God is telling us to do, but we're not doing it. And we keep that little piece of our life over there. And every other area of our life, the fire of God is falling on it. And his presence is falling on it. And his power is falling on it. But that area isn't getting touched. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Because we are refusing to acknowledge the fact That the word of God in this book that pertains to that issue in our life is the authority. Uh. So my question is this. Where do you need the presence of God and the power of God to fall in your life? Where do you need it to fall? Do you need it to fall in your home? Do you need it to fall in your relationships? Do you need it to fall in your finances? Do you need it to fall in your marriage? Do you need it to fall in your ministry? Do you need it to fall? Where, 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 where do you need the presence and the power of God to fall in your life? Where do you need the fire to just get in there and consume it all and so fill it with everything that God is? Where do you need that at? Wherever you need that at, whatever area that is, you need to find what this book has to say about it. Mm. 
You need to find what this book and how this book instructs you to do what this book instructs you to do in that particular area. Find out what the word of God is for that area and then make that word your authority. Mm. Because when you make that word your authority, you will be obedient to it. And you'll go over and you'll say, up until now, I've kept this away from the altar. But now I realize his authority in his word is greater than my authority. So I'm going to pick this up now. And I'm going to bring it over. And I'm going to lay it with the rest of the stuff. And then all of a sudden the fire of God is going to come and consume it. And for the first time in your Christian walk, you're going to be able to feel what it feels like in that area to have God consume it. You're going to be able to feel in that particular area for the first time what it's going to feel like to have the presence of God moving and working and changing and altering everything in it. But it comes down to the authority of the word of God. Just, just for a minute, I just want to be sensitive right now. Just for a minute, lift your hands. Close your eyes. We're just going to pray right now. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, somebody, lift your voice. Could you do that? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to, I'm going to close, but hear me and understand this in this book, in this book is every answer in this book is every direction you need to take Mario every issue of your life choosing you as an example every issue of your life every struggle of your life every problem in your life this book has an answer for this book has an answer and this book will tell you exactly what you need to do if you make this book your authority. If you make something else your authority, you'll get what that something else offers. This book will lead you and guide you. This book will tell you what to do. This book will direct your steps this book will methodically take you from where you are to where God wants you to be 
His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. His word will lead you the next step, the next step, the next step. It will lead you if you make it your authority. So whatever area you are struggling with, if it's doubt, if it's unbelief, if it's particular areas of sin, struggles, difficulties, marriage, home, relationships, family, husbands, wives, moms, dads, whatever it is, this book can tell you what to do. So find it. Find it. It won't be that hard. The the Holy Ghost will lead you. Get in the book a little bit. Get in the book a little bit and say, okay, God, this is the area I struggle with. I battle with tithes. I battle with offerings. I battle with holiness. I battle with whatever. Show it to me. And then when you see it, make it your authority. Be obedient to it. And then all of a sudden, you're going to experience what it's like to have the fire fall in that area of your life. So we can keep struggling with it if we want to. We can keep beating our heads over the same thing time and time and time again. We can keep tripping and tripping and tripping and falling and falling and falling and falling and falling. We can keep doing that until Jesus comes because we want to do it ourselves or we can understand there is an authority behind this book. Oh, hallelujah. And if he said it, it's true and it's right. Let's stand to our feet, could we?